We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Six Man Show on Orlando Magic Podcast with your hosts, Luke Sylvia and Jonathan Osborne, covering all things Magic Basketball. Five fans, four fans. Go Magic! What's going on, Orlando Magic fans? You guys are back with the Six Man Show. Today is July 3rd, 2023. Jonathan Osborne here, as always, joined by my co host, Luke Sylvia. Want to wish everybody a happy and safe 4th of July tomorrow, obviously. Uh, what's going on, Luke? How are you? Good. We're. I, I can't believe it's already July. I think we were talking about this at my work the other day. It just feels like we're already, it's crazy, like quarter two already came to an end. And um, it's wild that we're already here. I feel like we were just in the, bringing in the new year. Now we've got the hot dog eating contest coming up July 4th you big you big hot dog eating contest guy like do you sit down and you're like oh, i'll watch this i don't mostly because i like you know we all know the outcome most likely going to be joey chestnut unless there's some new contender that's gonna you know come out from the shadows and and you know push him for the belt but no it's something about the wet buns that really freaks me out i just i can't watch people eat that my my favorite is i was at a buddy's uh house for the fourth of july last year and his brother was betting he he placed a bet on joey chestnut hot dogs eaten and i think that it they placed it at like 71 or something like that because the year before he'd eaten 76 he ate 75 the year before that but he eats 63 last year which was underwhelming according to vegas and second place winner was like 40 so like 23 hot dogs less it's just disgusting that Joey Chestnut is that much of a freak. He has won every year since 2016. Matt Stoney won in 2015. I'm guessing Joey didn't do that one because he Joey wasn't even a runner up, and then he won like freaking seven years prior to that. It's just it's gross, sickening, but also very impressive. So I wanted to you know um, along with this holiday, that is one thing I it's it's like the Macy's Day Parade for crying out loud. Joey Chestnut on the Fourth of July. I don't think I could eat 23 hot dogs in like even a 48 hour window. Like <laughs> I really don't care for hot dogs either. So like in general, so I don't, I don't think I could stomach it. I've moved away from just like the regular, like 
you know, ballpark, like be Franks, which I remember the Michael Jordan commercials as a kid. So like, I've always been like, Oh no, you got to have a, a good ballpark Frank hot dog. But now I moved on to the Johnsonville brats and that yeah, has like really changed the direction. game for me. A lot of people love their brats. Yeah. They have a, a, a better with cheddar uh, version of that as well. That's just mm. absolutely fantastic. So I'm a big brats guy these days but yeah i still throw them in a nice uh, potato roll bun and you know do it up with the, the ketchup and the mustard so yeah i'll be be grilling out on the the fourth of july and just kind of hanging out and looking forward to see how the how the new neighborhood does fireworks up here in, in citrus county i'm not not really familiar with that so it'll be uh, quite the experience before we get into magic basketball talk just wanted to take a quick moment to thank all of you we just had our legitimately best month ever in the history of the show in terms of total downloads and, and YouTube views. And like we didn't even have the number one overall pick this year. Obviously, we saw a big jump last year around the draft lottery and around you know the draft and everything, summer league. Uh, but not having the number one overall pick and still being able to have the biggest month that we've ever we've ever had just is a testament to like the growth of the show, but also just like the excitement around the team. So just wanted to take a, a quick second for everybody to, to say thank you guys, because yeah, it's, it's exciting for the team, but it's also exciting for us that, you know, we're just kind of growing as the, the team and the fan base does. Yeah. And I think transparently it didn't, yes, it was an incredible month. The event that we had was the biggest event that we've had to date. And it was incredible and exciting. But to me, it's still like it, just because you and, and that I that was the month this, before. That was May. That's not even June. You're totally right. So, but you and I, we we sit in front of these cameras most of the time, right? And I, I think that it's very easy to lose sight of how big of a month we were having. I genuinely didn't know until I think you or Kevin brought it up and was like, "Hey, we're tracking to have the biggest month in the history of the show," and it kind of shocked me because I was like, "I'd it it's." You know, you and I are just doing this twice a week. We feel like this is what we're doing all the time. You and I have probably way more, definitely way more fun during the season when teams winning or whatever, comparatively to like what we did in June content wise. And so I think that, you know, it's crazy for, for me to, to hear that that was the best month. I think it only means that this team is going to, you know, stay good during this season, we would think to where we are able to continue and retain you guys as listeners, you know, consider, you know, watching our listening, watching, however you guys consume our podcast. It's just incredible. The, the amount of growth that we've had. And, and yeah, like Jonathan said, thank you guys. We would be literally nothing. We'd just be two guys talking to a mic every two times a week. If it wasn't for you guys and feeling the support you guys give us. And honestly, I would, I would still do that anyway. So just really appreciate you guys. It was an awesome June and we're hoping July will be bigger and, and moving into the season and, and continue to carry this momentum forward. Um, coming up this week on Saturday is going to be the Magic's first summer league game. So that's going to be the 8th at 5.30 Eastern time on ESPN. Um, but we're doing something a little bit different. We're, we're trying something out. Uh, if you haven't heard of the platform called Playback, Playback is basically like a, a group you know, watch party type of platform where you have creators that are watching some kind of sporting event or you can watch YouTube on there just kind of with your little community there or big community, whatever your community size is. Um, so Kevin, producer Kevin, is going to be watching that summer league game on playback. So there's going to be a live chat function where you can talk. 
Um, special guests can also join the creator up on the quote unquote stage is what they call it on playback. So we're going to have some special guests potentially come through um, and just kind of you know, talk with producer Kevin about the game and, and what's going on and potentially maybe even some of you all, but you can interact live with the chat like throughout the entire broadcast. So we'll be posting that link on Saturday. So be on the lookout for that again. That game against the Detroit Pistons Summer League team is going to be at 5.30 Eastern. And the Magic also play on the 10th versus Indiana at 8.30 on NBA TV. They play uh, July 12th versus New York at 8 o'clock Eastern on ESPN2. And their last scheduled uh, Summer League game is going to be July 13th versus Portland at 9 o'clock Eastern on ESPN2. And then they'll have like the additional you know Summer League tournament games That'll be announced. Those dates and times will be announced at a, at another time. So, looking forward to that. Um, it's something that we're going to try out here during the off season. If it goes well, you know, we'll start doing these in the you know, regular season as well, where we're just kind of everybody's watching the game together, talking about the game together. Uh, it's a really cool platform. So we're really looking forward to to doing that. Luke, the team USA roster has been finalized with. Uh, Nick's forward Josh Hart being added to the men's uh, FIBA World Cup roster. So the entire roster is Jalen Brunson, Anthony Edwards, Tyrese Halliburton, Austin Reeves, Paolo Bancaro, Mikhail Bridges, Josh Hart, Brandon Ingram, Jaron Jackson Jr., Cam Johnson, Walker Kessler, Bobby Portis. Josh Hart is like just another one of these like connector, like glue guys that you need an international play that are going to do the dirty work. You don't need a million scores necessarily. You got you need guys who are going to play smart, you know, make good decisions, play team basketball, and and really tie the group together. So I like the the addition of Josh Hart, and I I really like the roster. It's not I wouldn't call it star studded by any means if you're comparing it to previous you know Team USA teams, but I like the I like the makeup of this team. I, I think they have the potential to to be a bit bigger than maybe people are going to think they will be. Aside from Paolo Bancaro on this roster, Jonathan, which one of these guys would you say is the one you're the biggest fan of or that you like the most, or maybe you just like their game the most for FIBA? Uh, well, for FIBA, um, I don't necessarily know. Those, I mean, I like, like, like Jalen Brunson and, and Tyrese Halliburton, you know, the way that they're just going to, again, make good decisions, continue to move the ball. Um, you know, both of those guys can can put a lot of pressure on the defense. But the guy out of this group that I like watching the most, aside from Paolo Bancaro, is definitely Anthony Edwards. You know, I, I think he's going to have a real potential to to like carry this team in, in certain regards. Him and, and probably Brandon Ingram. You know, I, I think you know, any team is is going to struggle with those guys defensively. Yeah, I, I think for me, it really and dialing into the FIBA aspect. And I go back to what Luka Doncic had said about you know international play versus the NBA, and he says the NBA it's a lot easier to score the basketball, and because in FIBA everybody like defensively everybody's connected, but also offensively everybody's sharing the ball. They're not really looking for their own to get their own, and that's why Tyrese Halliburton has got to be for me the the player aside from Paolo that I'm interested to see on the international stage because he's a legitimately a 20 a 20 and 10 guy in the with nba assists. and the 10 being with assists which is absolutely crazy and a 10 10.4 assists last year 2.5 turnovers a game so i'm really excited to see team usa in this respect i do like i think it's 
you and I have had the Palo Team USA conversation before on this podcast, but I like it more when he is on a roster like this as opposed to the star-studded one. Don't get me wrong. Eventually, that will be cool because Palo will be one of those stars, but I still feel like with this roster, Palo can you know have a really great stat line multiple times throughout this tournament, so I'm really excited for it. If I was betting, I would probably say a guy like Anthony Edwards is, is probably going to be like the Team USA's best player and in, in like focal point offensively, just because I think he's the most talented there. But it would not surprise me at all if Paolo Bancaro ends up being super impactful. And the thing mm-hmm. is, though, you can go up and down the roster. I, I mean, I feel like there are, you know, there's 12 guys on this team. I feel like there are probably maybe nine or 10 guys that you could talk yourself into being like really impactful on this mm-hmm. team. So that's what's so exciting to me. Like other teams where you have like you have the LeBrons, you have Dwayne Wade and Kobe Bryant, Carmelo Anthony. And then you have, you know, like your your Tyson Chandlers. You know, it's guys that especially in international play, like rim protection is going to be huge. So even guys like Jaron Jackson Jr., Walker Kessler, you know, Bobby Portis said it might not be like the sexiest name for those guys to be on these teams. But I just I really like the makeup of this roster. It's going to be awesome to to see them compete. France obviously is going to be a favorite. You know, Greece is going to be a, a favorite. Is is Jokic playing for Serbia? I really don't know. Like there Not are sure. tons of of really good teams, but yeah, I just like the the U.S. from like top to bottom is going to be the most talented team. And if Steve Kerr can get those guys to together and you know, to play really well together, it could be a, a fun a FIBA tournament for the U.S. So looking forward to that. Luke, Friday started NBA free agency. And like an idiot, I looked into this multiple times throughout the week when we were talking about, oh, hey, you know, free agency starting on Friday, free agency starting on Friday. When I was reading three o'clock, I wasn't even thinking about the time zone. So I was like, yeah, everybody be ready for three o'clock. On Friday, Eastern time, no, 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 no. It was 3 o'clock Pacific. So if you're one of these lovely listeners or, or viewers that was like, yo, it's 3 o'clock, why is nothing happening? I apologize. That, that was that was my bad. Got a couple of things to clarify as well that we'll, we'll talk about. One was totally not my fault, and this is when we were talking about Cole Anthony in regards to his qualifying offer, because it did strike me as weird that we're a year away from his restricted free agency, but we were always ta- already talking about his qualifying offer. In my mind, seeing that on spot track, I was like, oh, that must just be something that I misunderstood about rookie scale contracts and restricted free agency. But no, spot track had Cole Anthony's qualifying offer deadline listed incorrectly for this summer when it actually should be for next summer. Again, spot track let me down, but ultimately I'm responsible for the words that come out of my mouth. So again, I apologize. And last but not least, and I don't know why this is the case. I know there are a lot of people out there that are obviously much smarter than me uh, because you feel the need to tell me whenever you get the chance. Um, but Markel Fultz's uh, eligibility for his extension isn't technically until October 1st. I know there's something about the anniversaries of when these players sign their extensions and when they can be uh, become eligible for their next extensions. But Markel Fultz signed his last extension like, December of 2020, I believe. So I'm not totally sure on why it is not the beginning of 
free agency like it is for a lot of these other players. But if you go down the list of players that are eligible for uh, extensions this offseason, it really like is a, a range of dates from like the 6th of July, which is where teams can officially sign these guys to extensions. Um, there are some guys that are like the beginning of August or like the end of September, beginning of October. I really don't know. So if you do know and you can explain to me why it is that Markel Fultz's uh, extension eligibility date is October 1st. I would really, really appreciate that. And I would like to know more about kind of the nuance and how that works in the collective bargaining agreement. Like, why is it that specific date for Markel? It's that date based upon what? So again, just some things that I wanted to clarify that I goofed up on the last few episodes here. So my apologies. And hey, I'm still trying to learn all this collective bargaining, bargaining agreement stuff as Confusing as it is, I really do like learning about it. And I feel like it helps us do a better job and bring you all better content. So I'm going to continue to to try to grow my knowledge in that regard, Luke. But I wanted to talk um, before we get into the Magic's free agency, just about NBA free agency in general, Luke, and what you thought were some of the more crazier. I don't, I don't even like I don't like calling them a, a decision is not enough for what like NBA free agency is on Twitter. Like it is a soap opera in and of itself. I think the one that stands out to me the most, and we had a feeling that the bag was going to be big, but the bag was just ginormous for Fred Van Vliet going to Houston three years, $130 million max to join the Rockets and it's just a lot of money I understand they needed to spend money but is am I uh, am I crazy for still thinking like that's a it's a weird deal I mean the the guys that you're inking to these huge contracts but you're you're still kind of rebuilding you're not it's just the most ridiculous rushed rebuild that that we've seen since Hennigan had the reins at the Orlando Magic and you said that, right? You said that Houston was Rob Rob Henneging the hell out of their rebuild. And it is that way. Absolutely. It's that one, obviously Dylan Brooks, their whole free agency was crazy to me because they just kept signing guys. I know they're trying to fill out a roster and maybe, you know, rush this thing, but at some point, what did is it worth it? We're gonna find out. I don't know. Well, I mean, just to add a little bit more to that, to me, it wasn't just like, you know, giving Fred Van Vliet, you know, what is it, $40 million or $43 million a year, whatever it is. I know, I I believe it's been confirmed that that third year is a team option, which definitely makes it much, much, much better. Money aside, and also giving Dylan Dylan Brooks four years, $80 million, like that seems like a lot of money. Um was it uh, Jock Landale that they gave four years, $32 million? But I believe just the first year is fully guaranteed on that, if I'm not mistaken. And then, you know, the rumors out there that they were looking to, to give Brooke Lopez, you know, 20 plus million dollars a year. So it's not only that you're handing out all of this money to all of these guys, but you have Jalen Green, who you drafted two years ago. You still have Kevin Porter Jr., which I don't think really ultimately, I don't think should be like a big obstacle for them making decisions at the guard position because as good as, and as talented as he is, do you really see him as like a super long-term piece? I don't know. Jalen green, 
you probably still hope he will. You have Jabari Smith Jr. You have Alpren Shengun. Some of these other guys that they like traded away for nothing, you know, like Ty Ty Washington, um, uh, like Kenyon Martin Jr. Some of these guys that they just kind of forced out of there. Uh, Cam Whitmore is another guy. Now you have like these established veterans. Like they were actively searching to put veteran roadblocks in the way of their young players to like push the team ahead a bit with new head coach Ime Udoka coming in. So people are are. Sam Vecini had uh, he did like a whole segment at the beginning of his recent podcast talking about why he loved the Kyle Lowry, not Kyle Lowry. Good grief. I, I associate Kyle Lowry with Fred Van Vliet, obviously, because of their history in Toronto. Fred Van Vliet, he loved that deal because one, they had to spend the money anyway. Two, he's going to help bring defense to that roster. And he said specifically, he's going to help their young guards learn how to get over uh, screens, which was an issue for them last year. And he's also a good decision maker. None of that for me adds up to giving a guy $40 million who didn't even shoot 40% from the floor last year. I, that's just, it's just crazy to me. But now, oh, and Amen Thompson, they just drafted Amen Thompson. So you're putting and, and taking the, you're putting him in, you're putting Fred Van Vliet certainly ahead of Amen Thompson, probably starting next to Jalen Green. You're taking the ball out of Jalen Green's hand. You're taking the ball out of Amen Thompson's hands. Uh, you know, potentially Jabari Smith Jr. You still have Tari Eason on the roster. Now you have Dylan Brooks, who you're paying $20 million a year, who's definitely going to start. Like, there is spending money because you needed to spend money, and there's rushing your rebuild. And to me, this is much more of a rushing your rebuild than it is, oh, hey, we had to give the money to somebody anyway. No, I, I'll i be really interested to see how this pans out for Houston. And my guess is it probably won't because you're, you're pushing this team ahead, uh, way ahead of schedule. And how many of these guys are you really confident in are going to be anything special? Jury's still out on Jalen Green. He's arguably the most talented guy on that roster before you drafted Amen Thompson. Kevin Porter Jr., probably not. Jabari Smith Jr., maybe. Alpern Shengun, maybe. Tari Eason, maybe. I just don't understand how you could believe in your young core so much that now you're going to put all of these veterans around them and start to compete. Just nothing about what they're doing makes sense to me at all. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, 
you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. There was one other team that is interesting with their additions that they made, and that is the Oklahoma City Thunder. The Thunder added a, a myriad of players. They they added the former EuroLeague uh, NBA M- or EuroLeague MVP, excuse me, and I believe his last name is pronounced Micic. I'm really not too sure on that. Had impressive numbers that I think they had like his draft rights or something like that. Uh, and he, they just are basically now getting him to come over. They added Victor Oladipo. They added uh, Bertans. They added Jack White, who is an Aussie. And they signed him to a two-year deal, which was interesting. And they signed Patty Mills. The Thunder adding a lot of guys that are going to be fighting for minutes. And an already talent-filled roster, honestly. Obviously, you got SGA and Giddy and Dort and everybody else. So that's another team that I think is really interesting. And it probably their offseason additions have been overshadowed a little bit by what the Rockets have done, for better or worse. So that was another team that kind of stuck out to me. Yeah. Outside of that, I think the last thing we'll t- touch on here before we dive more you know, deeply into the magic is Dame Dallas. Uh, finally... Mm-hmm. After you know what feels like a, a two three year long saga, I guess has officially requested a, a trade from the Portland Trailblazers. After the Trailblazers turned around and gave uh, Jeremy Grant what was it five years one hundred sixty million dollars. So it sounds like he's trying to force his way to Miami, which is really sad for for a number of reasons. Number one, I hate the Miami Heat. I love Damian Lillard. He's one of my favorite players. And if he gets traded to Miami, then I have no choice but to hate him. And I just don't understand all this talk about loyalty, 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 loyalty. And now all of a sudden, like it, to me, it just makes everything that he said the past, you know, four or five years about loyalty. It's all a bunch of bull crap to me. Well, the, I mean, the, the, the comment forever, that he had though. to Paul George about like, you know, you boys as chumps, like keep running from the grind, switching teams like, bro, you're running from the grind. Like, are you loyal or you want to win? Like, you, you you can't really have it both ways. I I get it though. I don't I don't really care too much about it, honestly, just because the loyalty talk. Like, he has been more loyal than any other superstar in the NBA. Right. Let me ask so you one question. Request though. a trade. Damian Damian Lillard stays in Portland the rest of his career. Doesn't win a title. Do you look at him yep. any differently than if he goes to Miami and wins a title? Do you look at him any differently as a basketball player having watched his entire career? There's a tweet that I read from a Portland fan that said this was giving them giving him KD to Golden State vibes. And I just think it is the stupidest thing that I've ever heard because Miami Heat are not Golden State. They they made it to the NBA Finals. But at the same time, do we really think that they're going to do it again unless they add a guy like Damian Lillard? I think Dame is just a ton of fun to watch in the postseason. I don't know if the Portland Trailblazers are going to get him there ever again. I'm all for Dame at age, what, 33, 34, finally breaking out of Portland and doing something to the point where he could maybe win a ring. I would hate for it to be with Miami, but I do like Damian Lillard. I love him in the postseason. He's undeniably clutch. 
I think that it, I would be irritated if I didn't get to see Dame in the playoffs the rest of the season or the rest of his career because they're trying to build something. And by the time they build something, Dame is going to be 37 years old, 38 years old, not the same player. I want to selfishly, I want a couple more postseason appearances from Damian Lillard. So I don't really care. I, I don't think that there's, he stayed loyal for so long to Portland and Portland never put it together. They never did. So for him to finally be like, all right, I'm out. I finally did it. Like I, I'm finally done. Hats off to Damian Lillard. I hope he gets out of there. Although I'm, I've saw, I read somewhere today, take it with a grain of salt because I don't remember where it came from, that Portland is not necessarily considering honoring his wishes of him going to Miami. That would be awesome if he doesn't go to Miami. Send him somewhere else. I hope it's with a team that's decent. So obviously, selfishly, I hope it's in the West. So the Magic don't have another team that gets even better, especially a team that's kind of in the mediocrity of it all right now we'll see what happens with dame but i'm happy for him i'll say i'll ask again damian lillard ends up playing 18 years in portland right no you don't look at him any differently than if he wins a title oh oh you're saying if he wins a title do i look at him differently like in a positive light positive or negative but do you look at him any differently as opposed to if he would have played 18 19 years in portland and not won a title I don't think so because I knew, like, I know that Dame is capable of winning a title. Right. I, I don't exactly. So, so, but at the same time, it's a self thing. Like, it's, finally, he's not putting all of his blood, sweat, and tears into Portland anymore. He's putting it into himself. And he's going to try to go win a ring. I hope he does it. I hope that he's able to. Damian Lillard deserves one. He's put up with hell in Portland for how long? I think. I, I think that it's a him thing, and I'm glad that he's doing it. If he forces his way to Miami, he doesn't deserve a damn thing. That's what I'll say. <laughs> doesn't deserve anything at all. Deserves to go 0-82 for the rest of his little career. So Yeah, that doesn't shock me. Yeah. So All right. Let's talk about some Orlando Magic. So the first real Jingle season. Jingles. Joe Ingles, Mo Wagner. Uh, agreed to terms with the Orlando Magic. But before we even get to that, I want to talk about some of the the pre-agency moves that the the Magic made. So the first of which, uh, Gary Harris and Markel Fultz's 2023-2024 salaries being fully guaranteed. Any surprise? I think... I think there was definitely surprise with, like, Goga. Well, you're getting we, a little bit ahead of me. I didn't mention they picked up Goga's team option and declined Admiral Schofield and MCW's team options as well. Okay. But yeah, yeah. Goga so was I, a little bit surprising, but not. I don't think it's the craziest thing ever. I don't know. What What were your initial reactions, though? Like it, it, when things break, what, which one of the ones that we've named was it like, oh, I, I'm a little bit surprised? I mean, Gary and Markel were like absolutely duh moves. Like I was like, mm-hmm. okay, yeah, of course we did. Admiral yeah. Schofield, MCW. I, I don't know. Schofield we figured was probably gone. MCW was like, okay, he's most likely probably gone. But if they wanted to keep like some kind of veteran guard or wing on the team, I could understand keeping him. Like t- picking between MCW and, and, and Goga. Goga probably makes more sense because Goga has a, a more realistic path to minutes. Um, and then the other thing that the Magic did was they uh, moved the uh, deadline back for Bull Bull's uh, 
2023-2024 salary to be guaranteed, which is, has to be a mutual decision. The team has to agree, and, and Bull Bull's team all have to agree to move that deadline back. It has not been announced when that deadline has been moved back to just yet. Um, but it is interesting uh, because now the Magic don't have to fully guarantee that, and if they want to waive Bull today or tomorrow, they could do that. But Goga wasn't totally surprising. Um, the, the fact that we didn't go out and get what I thought was more of a surefire backup center, that was a little bit more surprising to me. I think we can talk more about that when we talk about Mo. But were, were any of these moves really surprising to you? I think I, I don't I don't know like necessarily if they were surprising to me. I, I think that it doesn't surprise me that the Magic seemingly like stood pat. If you look at this free agency just from like a, a thirty thousand foot view, none of this is is super shocking to any of us. I don't think. But uh, yeah, I, I think that you know that things just played out maybe a little bit slower. Than I thought they would for the Magic as far as making decisions on current players. Obviously, you talk about Mo Wagner, right? Like that one comes at what seeming felt like midnight, right? Like the just the clock strikes midnight, Mo Wagner's back. Now, in hindsight, probably they were just maybe waiting out to see what the rest of the market is doing in terms of big men. I wouldn't say I'm shocked though. Yeah, I to me. Moving Bull Bull's guarantee back, like the deadline for the guarantee, moving that back wasn't totally shocking, but it, it to me, it sort of like tipped the Magic's hand as to what they're doing and what they were thinking. Hindsight is twenty twenty. Now we know, you know, with them bringing in Joe Ingles, bringing Mo Wagner back, um, like they were really looking to to add multiple uh, you know, guys or, or sign multiple guys potentially in free agency. So now it makes it, a lot easier to save a couple of million dollars by waving bull bull. People have talked about the fact that, well, look, if you're looking to bring in somebody else, you could also, well, I mean, now the magic they're at, you know, uh, 15 on the roster. So they do have to wave somebody at this point or trade somebody, whether that be for, you know, cash or second round picks, what, or first round pick, whoever it is, depending on what that return is going to be. But in the like immediate, not immediate, because I guess you can carry twenty guys on the roster, um, like throughout the preseason. I think I don't know exactly when that deadline is. I'll, I'll need to look into that a little bit deeper. But the Magic don't have to make any decisions on who they're going to waive like super super soon. But people have speculated it could be Bol Bol, it could be Chuma that is moved. So um, yeah, I, I think uh, let's go ahead take a quick break. Give our patrons a shout out, and then we'll talk a little bit more about Jingles and our boy, Mo Wagner. So as I just mentioned a moment ago, this episode and every episode really are brought to you by our wonderful patrons. If you haven't heard of Patreon, Patreon is a platform where creators can have uh, communities and those communities can help financially partner with whatever creator that they appreciate and want to support. So you can find us at patreon.com slash the six man show, uh, where for as little as $2 a month, you can help financially support the show. We also have other tiers uh, like our all-star tier where you gain access to our discord community, our hall of fame tier where you get access to monthly zoom meetings with us. And we just talk Orlando magic basketball. We hang out, we give kind of behind the scene updates on the show 
And then we also have our $15 elite tier where you get all of those other benefits, but you also get access to discounts on Orlando Magic regular season home game tickets. So if any of that interests you, again, you can find us at patreon.com slash the six man show. In each episode, we shout out our brand new patrons. So this week, a big shout out to our boy, Bruv Sal, who joined our Hall of Fame tier. Already saw you in the Discord, man. Welcome to the community. Really, really appreciate that. And then we shout out our Hall of Fame and elite tier patrons each episode. So let's go ahead and start with Court Cousins, Drew Gooden, Armin, Carson Tulo, Norman, Normal, Magic Player History, Gabe Gaines, Magic Static, Michael Martin, Jamel Miller, Michael Salapong, The Distract, Donkey Punch Dave, Paolo and Franz's Warmth, Pierre A., Nostalgia and Eminem, Dylan Holden, Mr. Mikey, Eduardo Sanchez, Drum, Danimal, Dodo 15, Bobby Skinner, Bobby Skinner, Goaty 93, Teddy Sylvia, Eric Lopez, Fuchsia, Juan Gerardo, Bill Fulton, Edmund Lagone, Jose Esquilin, Destin for Greatness, Caleb Pete, Cannibalism, Ty Mr. TV, Joe Rothfuss, ESPN Really Sucks, Gear 95, Shred, Junior Bruce, Half Reekin, Shahan 177, Bobby the Don, Himlo Ban Himro, Arm Prof 221, Ray Pastrana, Magic at 714, Spank Too Hard, Soft Taco, Jesse, Fuego Nando, Victor Cologne, Phantom Will 72, Irish Magic Mike, Austin Lampy, Random Hustle, Only France, Maria, Keith Wallace, Fritz, Nick G, Currency Kev, and our boy Bruv Sal. Again, thank you to all of our patrons. If you want to join our Patreon, you can find us at patreon.com slash the six man show. Luke, earlier in the week, uh, really mostly Thursday, I want to say, it was reported that the Magic could be targeting uh, Milwaukee Bucks forward Joe Ingles, the veteran sharpshooter himself. I believe it was Jake Fisher and Chris Mannix, if I'm not mistaken, that reported that. And uh, Friday night, the Magic's real first real move of free agency was to a, agree to a two-year, was it $22 million deal with Joe Ingles, it is expected that that first, uh, or I'm sorry, that first year is going to be fully guaranteed, and that second year is going to be a team option. Luke, what were your uh, reaction or, or feelings about the the Joe Ingles deal? We've been looking for it. We've been looking to add a shooter. You want shooters? You go out, you draft Jet Howard, and then you pick up Joe Ingles. I think Joe Ingles is the perfect vet. I think he's, you know, pretty even keel is able to be that. I also think that he's a pretty good playmaker for his size. The the assists don't maybe didn't show it in Milwaukee. Three assists a game, which still isn't bad for a guy of his size at all. But in Utah, I mean, you look back at his the way Utah was using him, average as much as five point seven assists, two point four turnovers. He has the ability to do that. He also if you haven't gone and watched some Joe Ingles highlights, they're not all three-pointers. Joe Ingles has a nasty pass fake. Going in off a Euro, fake the pass, defender's head whips the other way, Joe Ingles has a wide-open layup. He's he, he's very skilled for a guy of his size, and especially as slow. Before Kyle Slow-Mo Anderson, there's Joe Ingles, slow Joe. And he is slow, but he's effective and he knows what he wants to do. And he's concise with his moves. And oh, yeah, he can shoot the cover off a of basketball. Just to uh, last year. I mean, crazy. Yeah. Just to give you guys some career numbers here. So for uh, Joe in eight seasons, averages 8.5 points per game, 3.2 rebounds, 3.7 assists, almost a steal a game. 
shoots 44, almost 45% from the floor, over a 40% three-point shooter for his career on 4.4 three-point attempts per game. So absolutely is a shooter. Last year with Milwaukee, um, came back less than a year after tearing his ACL in 46 games, averaged 6.9 points, 2.8 rebounds, like you mentioned, 3.3 assists, shot 43% from the floor and almost 41% from the three-point line. Joe Ingles, absolutely a shooter. I think what I'm obviously super excited about adding the shooting, I like adding the veteran presence. He is uh, 35, uh, going to be 36 years old on media day, actually, this year. So we'll have to be sure to to wish Mr. Joe Ingles a, a happy birthday and a warm welcome to Orlando on media day. But apart from all of that, like it's the playmaking that I'm really excited. It's him being like a secondary or tertiary playmaker off the bench for the Magic and just really being a connector. Going to be 36 years old, coming back off the ACL, obviously probably lost a little bit defensively, has always been a decent defender. Um, but just kind of like he's going to bring a lot of veteran know-how, calming presence when he's going to be on the floor for the Magic, has played for a lot of really good Utah teams, played for a great Milwaukee team this year. So he, he's got kind of that veteran pedigree that this team desperately needs. And not only did the Magic add Joe Ingles and add Jet Howard through the draft, but retaining Gary Harris and, and fully guaranteeing this next year means you're not really losing any shooting from last year's roster either. You're really just adding to it. So I feel like that's really a big deal. There are people that were calling this an overpay. Like as soon as I saw it, I was like, okay, it's a, it's a two-year deal. It's $11 million a year. Shooting is a premier skill. The Magic desperately needed a vet. The Magic were, you know, the record says they were bad last year. If you want to get a guy that, you know, isn't just a you know career journeyman that's played for crappy teams, if you want to bring in a guy who's got real experience playing for really good teams, that's going to bring you a, a much needed, you know, skill set for this roster, you are going to have to overpay a little bit. So I don't know why people were, you know, surprised at all by the $11 million initially. But it's also looking like that's going to be a second-year team option. So you're maintaining long-term flexibility, and you're adding something that you desperately needed, not only from a skill standpoint, but also just an older guy in the locker room that can you know, be a, a mentor to, to vets. Now, is he going to be like a Vince Carter? You know, not necessarily. But having another—I don't want to. These are all adults, but you know, the having an, another adult in the room is not a bad thing for this roster. Also. Another thing can't be overlooked. Caleb Houston. Have we seen his last game wearing a number two on his jersey? For a little bit, at least. Joe Ingles, number two, obviously, in Utah. Wore number two in Milwaukee. Caleb Houston, you would think maybe uh, he'll maybe revert back to his college number, which is 22. Can't do that either. Franz Wagner is number 22. So there's the story within the story. Caleb Houston's probably going to be changing his number in respect for Joe Ingles. Can't go to 22 because Franz Wagner already has that. Caleb Houston, got a decision to make. What number are you going to wear? I don't know that you'll be there often to wear it, but what are you going to wear? It would be the most awesome thing ever for Caleb Houston to be like, you know what? Give me 32. Give me Shaq's old number. <laughs> Caleb Houston wearing number 32 for now. I thought on. you were going to say he's going to make Jingles pay him 32K to wear his jersey number. Yeah, I don't know about all that. I mean, maybe, maybe. The least that that Joe Ingles could do is take Caleb Houston to dinner, you know, for the number. Right. I think I think that's you know give him a few pointers sure. would not be a bad guy for Caleb Houston to kind of model some of his game after. 
But yeah, right. we've probably seen the last of, uh, we might have seen the last of Caleb Houston like playing for the Magic. Like that's another possibility as well. I would personally hate that. But uh yeah, I mean, he's he's buried now. If he wasn't before, like he is buried, buried, buried kind of on that bench. We'll we'll be it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. And then Saturday we were talking about our, our glory days and playing pickup hoops in our six man show, all hands chat earlier, earlier yesterday. So I was like, you know what? It's been about six months since I've laced them up. Let me, let me go to this crappy little basketball court that we have in the neighborhood where I live. Literally like there's a, a, a an electrical wire hanging about 12, 13 feet off the ground that just goes like diagonally through the middle of the court. And I've got like a, I don't want to say a Dirk-esque arc on my jumper, but I've got a lot of arc on my on my jumper. I could not take a three from like the whole right side of the court without just the ball slamming into that wire again and again. So that was miserable. But I'm on my way to do that. And I don't have great cell service in my neighborhood to begin with. Like as soon as I get off of my block where I can no longer connect to my Wi-Fi, I have almost nothing. But wouldn't you know, as soon as I make the turn off my block, we get news that Mo Wagner is re-signed with the Orlando Magic. So I'm trying to make a graphic and make a tweet and the internet's not loading. So that was my experience with, with Mo Wagner getting re-signed. But that is going to be a, what was that, two-year, $16 million deal for our boy Mo Wagner re-signing with the Orlando Magic. And I again, there have been some mentions that this could potentially be like a one plus one full year, you know, first year is guaranteed, second year might be a, a, a team option. If that is the case, this is another great deal. Like if you just look at it in, in a vacuum, $8 million for Mo Wagner the second year, if it really is a team option, a great deal for the Magic. Let's talk about it in a vacuum before we talk about what it kind of meant for the rest of the Magic's free agency and what they're probably not going to do at this point. What was like your initial gut reaction to Mo Wagner coming back? I mean, at that point, right, you, you signed Joe Ingles and you just you look around and you're like, ah, we just don't have the money. There's there's centers, backup centers flying off the shelves. I don't think it was too much of a surprise that Mo Wagner was back after the Joe Ingles thing. It was kind of like, oh, all right, I guess we're we're pretty much done here. And then Mo Wagner was the nail in the coffin to that, obviously, that this team, this front office is just going to essentially run it back with Joe Ingles and the two new draft picks, which is honestly more than enough. So I don't I don't think that it was super surprising. The writing seemed like it was on the wall. What other backup centers are you getting for that that would come play for the Magic at this point? Besides Mo Wagner, who you're going to have to slightly overpay for. But I saw someone call it the Franz Wagner tax. I mean, fine. I said that to somebody kind of like half kidding. Like part of this is like, hey, you want to keep younger brother happy? I don't think that like really affected their decision making here, but like it's it's you're saying the quiet part out loud, like mm-hmm. keeping Mo Wagner happy, keeping Franz happy, who's going to be a cornerstone of your franchise for years to come. When he also kind of fills somewhat of a need, there are worse decisions that you can make there. The thing that was disappointing to me is that we locked in basically Mo Wagner and Goga Batadze being the backup fives in, in some respect. 
Who knows how the minutes are going to work? I'd probably guess that to start the season, Goga is like the full-time backup five. Um, but it's uninspiring to me, I guess is the best way that I can put it. Like we saw uh, Jock Landale you know, go somewhere else. Brooke Lopez re-signed them with the Milwaukee Bucks, which was always going to be a long shot. But especially once you signed Ingles, you're like, okay, we're just not going to have the kind of money for Brooke Lopez unless they were trading someone, you know, somewhere else. But then you see like, you know, Thomas Bryant, you see Drew Eubanks, Miles Plumley. I'm sorry, Mason Plumley still on the board. Thomas Bryant ended up going to the Miami Heat once the the Dame rumors came out. I I still would have liked to see them make more of an upgrade more find more of a guy who's capable of spot starting which we've talked about with Wendell it, you're more than likely going to need that at some point and to me what was a need going into free agency that I I didn't think like oh our weakness next year probably isn't going to be our backup five now I feel like that probably is this team's biggest weakness is like our lack of depth at the center position if you want to talk about shooting because the shooting is still really unproven yeah, that argue, like it's either one of those. It's either maybe you don't have as much shooting as you would like, which the Magic, in my opinion, did have a real effort in trying to improve by keeping Gary, drafting Jet, signing Joe Ingles. But it doesn't... The, the timing of the Mo Wagner re-signing tells me that they were trying to upgrade, but it, it just didn't really come together for them. And there are much worst players that you can have is like your backup five or like your, you know, arguably your third five. There's a lot of guys worse than Mo Wagner at that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's really all that I have to say about, you know, the, 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 the center, the, I guess the, the lack of addressing that it's going to be interesting to, to see how that plays out. Notably some things that didn't happen so far, Luke um, is really, Cole Anthony has not been signed to any kind of extension just yet. And he is eligible for an extension, may not be eligible for that qualifying offer just yet, as I mentioned at the top of the show. Sorry for the confusion the last couple of weeks. But Cole Anthony has not been signed to an extension yet. Uh, It could point to a lot of things. It could be that the sides just haven't come to an agreement just yet on the extension. It could be that the Magic are are potentially looking to, to trade Cole and they may value or teams may value him being a restricted free agent more than him being like a long-term option. Cause they could kind of try it out for a year and then see if they want to, you know, like when, a, when a dealership lets you drive the car home for a few days before you decide if you want to buy it, you know, kind of that same scenario or the magic just may not be looking to sign a coal to an extension just yet. So I wanted to talk about just some of the deals that we saw around the league, because you and I have been talking for a couple months now about our, uh, opinions on whether or not the Magic should sh- sign Cole and Markel to extensions, and if they do, what those extensions look like. And I think the bulk of those conversations that you and I had uh, were had before we knew all of the um, kind of details around the new collective bargaining agreement and how teams operating above the luxury tax are, are, are really going to be penalized moving forward. And the whole league seems to be kind of adjusting to that almost immediately. Uh, in preparation for those changes. But I wanted to go through some of these deals in uh, free agency so far that I think are are sort of comparable to to Cole's uh, 
you know, kind of what we could expect, I guess, and just see, because I think originally I was like, yeah, pay Cole 18, $20 million. Looking at the market value now, I feel much differently about that. So I just want to throw out a few names and kind of what they got in free agency. Austin Reeves, $14 million a year. I don't know how the freaking Lakers got so lucky that they're going to keep Austin Reeves for $14 million a year, but it is what it is. Uh, the Lakers signed Gabe, Gabe Vincent for $11 million a year. Uh, the Lakers, how do the Lakers have all this freaking money? My goodness. They signed D'Angelo Russell to $18.5 million a year. Uh, the Cavs re-signed Karis LeVert to $16 million a year. And then Kobe White re-signed with the Bulls for $13 million a year. So hearing some of these figures, how do, how do you feel about the Magic like potentially re-signing Cole? And then I guess we can talk about like what kind of figure we think it might come in at. You've got decisions, obviously, to make, and we've fleshed those out quite a bit on the show already at this point, talking about you know, you bring in Anthony Black. Where does that leave Cole Anthony in this mix? And now you've got... Now, Joe Ingles is not a permanent solution. Do not get me wrong, but you've got Joe Ingles, as, as we've said, can come in, run that second unit, help run the second unit, I should say. Anthony Black, who is going to be capable of running that second unit. I think the Magic just want to wait and see. I, I think the Magic are more than happy to do that, clearly. Now, we know how this goes. We could record this whole podcast, and then they'll come out this morning, as you guys are listening to this, with a Cole Anthony, some Cole Anthony news about his contract. So I, I don't know. I, I don't want to sleep, speak in any type of absolutes, but I, I wouldn't be surprised either way. I, I think that you and I have talked about the fact that bringing him back means that the team bought into the last three quarters of the season where he was shooting the ball well and making good decisions and defending at a much higher level than he was prior. I don't know. I, I don't know what you do with Cole Anthony. I Genuinely, I, I, I have no idea. Yeah, I think you know we've been asking ourselves this question since the draft, just like what does all this mean for the guards? I don't think necessarily like the Joe Ingles deal really means much for the guards because I I still see him as much more of a, a three or even a, even a four at times. But what they do over the course of the next couple of months is is you know going to tell us what they think about certain players. Obviously, whenever a team trades a guy, it means like, hey, either this guy didn't want to be here or we didn't want this guy here. So I guess that kind of speaks for itself. But I, I do find it pretty interesting now because I think when you look at like the Austin Reeves and like the Kobe White deals, especially like Cole is probably a, like a step underneath Austin Reeves, but probably a step above Kobe White, maybe closer to Kobe White than he is Austin Reeves. So like I think 13 14 million dollars for Cole Anthony is, is like market value now and I would be ecstatic to be able to pay Cole Anthony 14 million dollars a year like to come off the bench a few years ago like these conversations were much much different but we live in a, a new NBA and CBA landscape with all the money that's being you know thrown around so yeah a lot has changed since you and I have started to have these conversations but I think 14 million dollars a year for Cole like a three or a four year deal, I, I would I would be pretty happy if the magic come to that conclusion. Yeah, and I think that when you talk about Joe Ingles and what I really meant was ability to handle the ball, that was kind of Cole 
what Cole was doing with that second unit. So now you've got Anthony Black that you draft. You have Joe Ingles, who's capable of of working the offense here. This is a you know, and we'll see what happens. But if you've got Jalen Suggs that you believe in, that you put him in at the two in this situation, right? Then off the bench in that bench unit, you've got Anthony Black. Obviously, you can stagger minutes, but for all simplicity's sake, Anthony Black at the one, Jalen Suggs at the two, Joe Ingles three or four. I mean, Cole's not playing the three or the four. So you're going to have to stagger and mix and match, and we know how rotations work in the NBA. But I just think with a bench unit as a whole, there's a lot of decisions to make, and I don't think Cole Anthony's safe. I don't think Jalen Suggs is safe. I don't know who is safe. (laughs) But I think this season is going to be kind of a trial run to see who's going to earn it and who's not, and the Magic kind of roll the dice. One thing that we didn't talk about with Joe Ingles is having Joe Ingles re-signing Mo Wagner and Goga in your second unit, probably Cole Anthony and Anthony Black. Like at the you know your guard, I don't want to call either one of them a one or a two, but I, I feel like the Joe Ingles signing like makes it pretty hard for Jet Howard to get minutes as well. Mm-hmm. I, I like I, I like that to me is like. I don't think you're paying Joe, Joe Ingles eleven million dollars. I don't. I don't think you're paying him eleven million dollars to like come in if Jed Howard isn't good. Like I feel like Joe Ingles still feels like he can play and wants to play. Right. So, I. I mean, that is part of like, Anthony Black probably has a clear route to minutes. I think we that was pretty clear when we made the pick. But like Jet Howard now, like especially bring Joe Ingles in now going back to Jeff Weltman, like guys are going to have to earn and compete for minutes. And that's exactly what we're talking about. So if Jet Howard is great this year in the minutes that he gets, makes it a lot easier to decline that second year team option for Joe Ingles. So, Mm -hmm. and there's a lot like worse guys that Jet Howard could learn from, you know, in terms of like creating and creating from others and and knocking down shots. So uh, again, really like the, the Joe Ingles signing. And I know we've, we've, I guess me specifically have been a little bit premature with the Markel Fultz extension talk because again, he's not eligible until October, but I do like looking around the league, looking at some of these other deals, talking about, you know, Markel Fultz and and the the figures that we may see him come in on. Like when you see a guy like, you know, D'Angelo Russell get, you know, 18 and a half million dollars. Karis LeVert got $16 million. Dylan Brooks got $80 million. Um, you know, Dante DiVincenzo got, what is that? Like $16 million, somewhere around there. Um, George's Niang, $13 million. Dennis Schroeder got $13 million. We've talked about this with just kind of Markel's injury history. And then also just kind of think what his, the national perspective is on Markel and kind of what his market value might be. We were talking about like, oh, sign Markel to $25 million a year. Again, that was before all this new, CBA you know, information came out, but now I'm thinking like Markel probably somewhere between like 17 to 20 million dollars a year, and if you can sign Markel for that again, everything like the the cap is expanding, but I also feel like kind of in a way like it's it's sort of shrinking, and they're talking about like the middle class of players really being affected by this CBA the most, unless the best players on teams just start saying like, hey, I want to keep this team competitive and. I'll take 
45 or I'll take $35 million instead of $50 million so that we can pay some of these other guys and keep these teams good. Cause if guys are just going to keep, you know, feeding into the supermax machine, like other guys just really aren't going to be able to get paid a ton of money anymore. So it's funny how in the span of a, a few weeks, you know, Markel could have gone from being valued at 20 to $25 million a year to maybe like $17 million a year. Which so is where he's at, right? Yeah. Which is what he's making now. So he's probably looking mm-hmm. for a little bit of a raise. So if the magic come in at 19, 20, $21 million a year, I think I'm good with that for Markel. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. But is Markel safe? That's... Who knows? Or do the magic want to extend Markel? Who knows? I'm not sold on anything at this point. I would say a, a trade is probably, if I had to guess, like a trade is probably coming within the next month and a half. Like you want to give a guy enough time to get acclimated to the city and to the team before training camp starts, you know, which is going to be October 2nd or yeah, October 3rd, I guess is when preseason starts. Training camp and all that media day is October 2nd. So October 3rd will be like the official start of training camp. But guys are going to be, you know, in the building getting like all the kind of preseason runs in a few weeks before media day. So I'm guessing if a trade is going to happen, like we'll see that in the next, I don't know, from now and like seven weeks from now. If we, if we get into September at that point, I'd be pretty. Unless like some superstar you know wants to to move or somebody on the magic requests a trade, if we get into September without a deal, I'll be pretty surprised if anything else changes before the start of the season. Yeah, and I don't have anything to go off of. That's just that my own made up logic just now. Yeah, I, I don't know. I I don't know. I I have no, no clue at all what's going to happen with this team. That's why the NBA, again, best league out there. There's a lot of unknowns. I'm very interested to see what the Magic Front Office does. All right, let's wrap this one up. Don't forget, coming up on Saturday the 8th at 5.30, producer Kevin is going to be on Playback. Playback is kind of like a watch party platform uh, where everybody will be watching the Magic Summer League game against the Pistons together. We'll see Anthony Black and Jet Howard's Summer League debut. We'll be sending that link out uh, ahead of time, so be on the lookout for that going to be a lot of fun uh we're trying that out we're hoping that it goes well and if it does we'll be doing more of those in the future so really looking forward to that that's going to do it for this one for luke sylvia this has been jonathan osborne you guys have been listening to the six man show and we will catch you guys next time see ya thanks for listening to the sixth man show be sure to subscribe on itunes and spotify to get new episodes downloaded directly to your phone If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to give us a five-star rating and a review. It helps out the show a lot. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Six Man Show. We'll catch you guys next time. Go Magic!